podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap in association with Reds, Bet Neil Atkinson with Ian Salmon, Rob Gutman and James Sutton. I want to chat to you briefly about Reds, Bet they're our partners for 2019. Uh, they do a lot of work with fan-related causes and fan-related media. Uh, we're very, very pleased to partner with them. Uh, if you want to get get in touch with them, you know where they are, redsbet.com, and if it is not for you, it is not for you. Uh, there is a little bit of work going on somewhere. We can't quite work out where it is inside the building where the Anfield Wrap studio is housed. So if you hear the occasional bang, that's what's happening. I've just gone to have a look, and in comic fashion, as soon as I went outside, it stopped, uh, which delighted Rob, uh, it's fair <laughs> to say. Listen, the 1970s taught us that things like that happen in, in real life. All the time. Yeah. Um, so that's what's just happened to me. So if it, got, if, it, if it starts again, and maybe if I disappear for a long period of time, it might be that I'm trying to resolve exactly where it is. We're going to chat about Liverpool's pre-season plans and how they're shaping up. We're also going to have a conversation around transfers in a general sort of European uh, slash English context, uh, as much as in a Liverpool context. Uh, we'll start there uh, and I've got Rob joining me uh, for this purpose and Rob it seems to me at the minute there's there's, there's a lot of noise uh, because there always is a lot of noise. <laughs> I just can't <laughs> quite work out who we're all waiting to see move first. I think that's the strange sort of thing here is normally you're able to say well that'll be the thing that kicks it all off but for instance Hazard going to Real Madrid for a lot of money doesn't kick Chelsea into action because they've got a transfer ban. Yes yeah, so now over to you Paul Pogba. Um, who has been sort of telling uh, tell, telling the media that he's definitely ready for his new challenge. United have been telling the media that he's definitely not getting a new challenge. But that feels like the big transfer that could happen within, uh, not within our league, from, uh, from our league outwards. The big one that should come into our league that might knock things around. Gareth Bale intrigues me because he, he surely can't endure another another unloved year in Spain. That would be nuts. But all, all the words seems to be bailed to United, and United have got literally nobody they can sell to make any money. To well, they don't. See, Nelson. United seem to be, if you can call it briefing, briefing that, that that they don't want Bale. He's not uh, on their list. There seems to be a, I th- you sense with United a dawning that they don't want to be that club, the club that 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 wastes uh, money on Alexi Sanchez, that wastes money on Lukaku, and even Pogba. Then they don't want to be that club again. And I think that's why they may swerve Bale. So Bale back to Spurs, then because Eriksson's on the move. Yeah, I'd maybe I'm Modric on that one uh, because Eden Hazard's took number ten, or at least is now Eden Hazard ten all over his Twitter that Real Madrid have pushed and Modric. There was talk that he might move last summer. Uh, I wonder whether or not Modric moves back to Tottenham or moves somewhere at least a payday somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of your, your question was which is the which is the domino? Uh, if there even is one, I just if can't. There is one. Well, you, there's big big talk about Neymar uh, moving for I think PSG. Are, they sound like they also might be moving to a mindset I've just sort of alluded to. I think United possibly moving towards, which is to move away from the Galactico system. I think people, do you know what I think is happening around you? I think people are looking at Liverpool. And I think they're looking at the way Liverpool have done things, this incredibly, what's the word, incredibly organised, intelligent way that hasn't been, a, although, you know, some people say you bought success and that we bought Van Dijk or Alisson. But, uh, you know, the vast majority of that team were bought for very, very modest amounts of money. And I think uh, you can even, the noises coming out from PSG's uh, owner or his owner or director of football saying he does he didn't want a star system. He wants people who really just were here to work, not play with as effectively as words. So I think that could lead to Neymar moving on. When, James, just on this and, and where Liverpool are now in a bit of a little bit of a bind this, this summer is... is when you become the model that people sort of want to copy. I think one of the reasons, for instance, there aren't a ton of concrete links to Liverpool is Liverpool actually don't want anyone to know who it is they're looking at and why. And this is, 
you know, this is quite a deep and significant shift from two or three years ago when people wouldn't, you know, it doesn't matter what Liverpool do. Real Madrid don't care who Liverpool are after. Barcelona don't care who Liverpool are after. But when you win, when you get to back-to-back Champions League finals and get 97 points, people are going to start wanting to know, firstly, how have you done it? What can we copy? And secondly, what are you going to do next? Can we steal a march? It's completely uncharted territory for me. In Certainly in my lifetime, the club's never been run as well on and off the field. Um, so it's, I mean, it's fascinating for me to just to, to watch. But you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a plan. I'm sure Edwards and everyone involved has a plan. That that it's that you know we have to now. There's an argument that says that we now step up, and we are looking at players, you know, like Mbappe and players of that of that caliber. That they're you know players that are hands down going to going to improve the squad squad from the off. Because we've already done the we've done the rebuilding, we've done the project side of it, and now we we I won't say with a finished article, but we're certainly dining at the top table again. So now it becomes a case of, you know, you can identify one player in one position, and that's the person you go for. So it's certainly a, it's certainly a fascinating period for the club. It's one Ian where I think everyone's trying to work out what the new normal is across all of Europe and we're now sort of part of that. For instance, I'm seeing that you know Ajax this morning reported to say that the demand more than 80 million for David Neres. And no one, I think there's a real sort of, I keep trying to work out what footballers are worth. Like I've got, I'm, I'm trying to sort of create my own index as to what's a decent price for a player at the moment because, you know, f- fees seem to veer wildly from sort of player to player. And I think it's partially because no one, no one quite knows. There's the skewing effect of the Premier League. There's there's other issues in amongst all of that. There's the super clubs on the one hand. And I just think everyone's sort of trying to just sort of work out exactly what things actually mean at the moment. Yeah, I, I think, once again, I think we are part of skewing that as well because I think the price that we paid for Van Dijk has kind of set a new normal for what you want for a top-quality player. Um, I noticed on Saturday night on the Sky, Sky Sports crawl bar that... United are supposedly interested in West Ham defender Issa Diop for 45 million plus a player and I was looking at it going I honestly don't remember this lad from last season at all how is this a 45 million pound player maybe he's a 25 million but he's made no impact on me at all not a level he would be that price a player so maybe that is a new normal maybe a decent player is now 45 million and your top rank you're talking 70 straight away I think the thing is although he may or may not be worth that I think at that price, he'd be 45 million and his, his, his expected wage if he came to United. Now, I think he'd be around the 100 grand mark, yeah. right? Maybe 120 at a push if he's got a great agent. If United make a mistake on that player and he's an absolutely stiffs for them, it's no biggie. They'll offload him for 2025 yeah. and somebody will pay those pay more or less those wages. I mean, the, so I, I'm sort of to answer Neil's question that you put to Ian. I think, or your own internal question is, I think if you're buying below 60 million and you're, and you're not committing to a wage of more than 120, as an upper, these are upper limits, I don't think you're going to make, if you're a biggish club, you're not going to make a terrible mistake. Can I, can I have a big chat with you about Herving Lozano? Who? Herving Lozano. Go on. So Herving Lozano is my current index player. And what I mean by that is a player you can take a value conversation. So I'll, I'll, I'll let me get for listeners. Give some me listeners will know, some listeners him. won't. My people he scored. Heard of him. He scored seventeen back-to-back seasons uh, for Paris, uh, for, for PSV. So he's got seventeen and twenty-nine last season. Seventeen and thirty season just gone. Uh, so he's around twenty a season. Yeah. Uh, plays as a winger. Uh, plays off a flank for PSV in a four-three-three. Like he's him. a twenty-three-year-old Mexican. Oh. Um, 23-year-old Mexican who's done that for PSV uh, and he's got himself nine international goals from 35 games uh, at international level but he's been playing since he's been pretty young 
So that's his focus on his domestic stuff for a minute for yeah. me. Uh, he got four in Europe last season, but focus on the domestic. Seventeen back-to-back seasons playing as a winger. Champions League with the uh, PSV. Uh, I think they qualify and then they go from there. But don't worry about that right now. Okay. Napoli look like they've got a deal with him. Right. What's the What's the price? <laughs> this is good. Oh, jeez. No, no, no. What's okay, the price? that's really good. And that's good guess because I'm in totally. How old in is the he again? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Mexican international. Well, if he was still the English, the if, Chucky. No, don't tell me if he was English. Genuinely, he's coming from the Dutch league, having scored seventeen. I know, no, 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 no not if he was English. If he was coming to our league, I would, I'd, I'd have a price which I think would be different in, instinctively going to their league. I'm thinking they're paying around the thirty million mark, thirty-five. No, fifty million euros. Yeah. I meant euros, so that you so f- no, to thirty-eight. <laughs> fifty million euros. So yeah. it's fifty million euros, and they're paying him for. They've agreed about uh, what becomes after tax of four million a year salary for him after tax. Uh, is the talk of, that, of the 80, report? 80, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just getting this off a couple of websites. That's not my point. My point is, if you yeah. take this as a, so this is me back to sort of trying to say what does or doesn't constitute a good deal. It's eighty thousand after tax. Yeah. So what does or doesn't constitute a good deal that right does. now? That's and a good deal. And you think that's a good deal? Yeah, that's a good deal because it's a not a terrible. Well, apart from the opportunity cost, it's a not a terribly risky deal. He's got a profile where he could just go stellar. If he doesn't, I think he's likely to. As I said a minute ago, I think you offload him for twenty-five million to the to to uh, Crystal Palace in a year's time, and no one's worried about those wages. So is a good deal. Yeah, I think because I think if he's let's put it this way: say he goes to Italy and he get, does those numbers there straight away, and he's twenty-three, so he's still on the upward his upward part of his curve if he's half decent. If he goes and does those numbers there, he's quickly worth more than that money. Quickly, I think. And if he's done it, you know, and there's a nice little bit of data there, you're given two seasons on the bounce. So this it? is where I'll come to you, James. D- David Neres being linked with Liverpool, being linked aggressively for and by Everton, mm-hmm. is the one I mentioned before, who's now been said. He's, so David Neres is 22. Um, he's a winger. He plays in the Dutch league. He's Brazilian rather than Mexican. Uh, last two seasons, 14 league goals and eight league goals. Now, listen, there are greater metrics in the world than just league goals. But he's one year younger than Lozano, and he is now being quoted at eighty million pounds rather than fifty million euros. And this is what I mean when I say, "Well, what's the actual price?" That it seems really difficult all of a sudden for anyone to be able to put the finger down on what the price is. And from Ajax's point of view, they're possibly thinking, "We could get eighty million quid for this lad." And really, as as he absolutely looks good, he's a good player. We all like him, and he's a lovely member of the squad. Brings the coffees in the morning. But there is a thing there, isn't there, where they're probably thinking to themselves. We can cash in, and I think there's a fair bit of this going on around Europe. Yeah, absolutely. But there's there's, there's also, you know, someone's only worth what someone else is going to pay for them. I mean, there's that as well. You know, yeah. if you're, if I think Rob, you know, Rob was saying before about if you if you're coming to this league as opposed to if you're going to Italy, the price varies can vary hugely with some of the the prices that are being thrown around in this country already, um, and. It, it, it's 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 it, it's it's tricky. It's 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 very very tricky because it could all it could all fall to pieces. It could be an absolute disaster. But then again, like you say, you've got the sell on you've got the sell on price, and you've got the fact that he is still very young. It's yeah, the the, the, the world's I, gone mad. I I think there's an Ajax price, by the way, in this. So do I. Ajax do not want to be absolutely ravaged, so they're they're resigned to the and I think. Delict makes them financially comfortable. They'll get their 80-odd million for Delict, and then they're into that we don't have to sell anybody else, but if they're going to bend our arm, they're going to pay an absolute premium. There's another couple of factors. Neres has ch- latter stages of the Champions League pedigree now, whereas your other lad doesn't. Yep. And, that, and that, you know, that, made, that, that does count for something. 
the other thing is, you know, we both don't know a lot about either player. No, no, So no. we're just looking at some fairly raw data. Um, you know, you could compare, I don't know, Eden Hazard's numbers aren't that much greater on paper than Callum Wilson's maybe last season. You take out the pens, but there's a world apart between them. Um, I, th I, th I think those aren't a fact. I, I think probably there is a distortion because Ajax have, where they've, have gone where they've gone and because they don't want to sell. But to, there's can, a, just, go on. So can I just distort this a little bit further? Yeah, that's what I was going to do anyway. <coughs> Are we possibly moving into another era of the absolute power of the super agents? Because notably Lozano's was agent. Is Mino Raiola. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Really sorry well, about that's that. That's his theme music. <laughs> <It's okay>. uh, <laughs> and here he is. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, is that your Mino Raiola voice? Marvellous. Well done. Well done. Go on. Genius Rob's time. That, that was better time than the banging <laughs> start again when you, when you sat yeah. down. Um, so that's Mino Raiola. I don't know who Neres' agent is, but it's the same agent as Richarlison and Bernard. So are we looking at the point where these lads are going... Everything is currently skewed. How much money can we make from everything now? I think there's every chance of that, and I do think that that's become that's why, for instance, and I'll bring it back into a, well into a semi Liverpool perspective because Rob, we do all the transfer shows, you do them on tour player, and we, oh, we do, do them on the videos. Uh, but the, and we did the transfer committee show, and the one I wanted to see us go for is the uh, the now legendary Portuguese wonder kid. Uh, João Felix. Oh, João Felix. Uh, they laughed at me last season when I actually did. We, we did me and Mo. I think we're doing and and Glenn Price were doing uh, short video transfer shows of five minutes, and I kept bringing João Felix up, and it was like nineteen-year-old Portuguese kid, and it was like, come off it. You know, there have got to be other names out there. Now he's not that I knew, but now he seems to be. Uh, you called it. Well, yeah, <laughs> let's say that. I, I love the fact that you can be a legendary wonder kid. He's an hour legendary wonder kid. Uh, well, now <laughs> there's an interesting price inflation one. And I wonder if there's an Mbappe factor going on there that everyone's waiting. I mean, Mbappe was fairly unique, I think, in recent years, wasn't he? That he at 19, or only just 19, even at 18, people went, actually, looking back, and I still can't believe it was taken as, okay, that's fair enough. 200 odd million for a 19 year old was ridiculous. And he'd only had one breakthrough season, really, at Monaco, albeit some nice performances in the Champions League. That was crazy, but the world went, no, but he's obviously worth it. And the world was right, by the way. But I think. There's a danger now that people think it's a given. There's a 19-year-old out there at any one given moment who is worth a ridiculous amount of money. And I think this year it could be Yao Felix's turn. Somebody's going to get burned. Somebody's going to get burned. Do you think? So you think the Yao Felix could be the um, could be the one who's going to get burned? I don't know because I've I've not seen him. I mean, the minute you watched Mbappe, you kind of went, ah, uh, yeah, I kind of <laughs> get that. So to pull back to Neres, so we've gone from we've gone from Herving, my friend, who I've decided Herving. is my marker point, my index link. We now move forward into Neres with his link to 80 million. That's what it'll take because Ajax, as you say, Rob, rightly yeah. so, do not want to find themselves ravaged. And Delict will Delict is going and it'll do a lot of favours for them so they can play harder ball yeah. when you get to Neres. And then the next one along the line, therefore, becomes Shao Felix, where there's talk that it might be 100 million. But if you're talking about Neres at 80. Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen 120. Sorry, that depends. With it. But so, yeah. I mean, yeah, Felix. I don't think he's. I don't think he's even a regular in the Benfica team, or if he is, it's literally post Christmas. So, and I've been going somewhere here, yeah. And I'm going to put it to each each of you now uh, as we move this along and out of this space and into the next space. Mm. Is two questions: What do you think Liverpool's headline fee net spend will be, and what do you think the biggest purchase Liverpool will make will be? Lozano's fifty million. 
Neres linked at 80, João Felix 100, possibly 100 plus. Just throwing those figures around, as I say, there are other footballers who may be moving. There's talk that Pogba, if he goes, will go for over 100 million, which is its own conversation. There's the idea that Zayek at Ajax has got a 25 million release clause. Um, it's interesting that, for instance, Brandt went to 25 million earlier in the window to Dortmund. That's done and dusted because he had a release clause. Release clauses are another factor in amongst all of this. So, yeah, as, well, it's go good. Well, release clauses therefore distort the wage market, and no people should be factoring them in. But if uh, Zayech is, if he goes 25 million, well, if all these other lads are worth 50 and 80, I'm somewhere in between them, possibly, given given my season. Uh, therefore, if you're saving 40, 50 million on my transfer fee, that's going into my pocket, or most of it. So Zayech could move for a for a spectacular wage package this this summer. It does feel like, you know, listening to you talking about some of the numbers, Neil, and I should have been processing this, but that a market that's been inf- uh, inflating insanely for the last two years in particular is continuing to inflate insanely. I mean, I've been balking at the numbers being talked about for Pogba because I, I would have said that lad was that lad's not had a good couple of years at Man United and he wasn't great last season apart from a mini purple patch where he got penalties galore. And I wouldn't have said he's worth 70, 80 million. United said they won't take less than 150. I thought, well, they're taking the piss here. But actually, you're looking at it now go, even a slightly compromised damaged goods Pogba is still probably worth... It's worth what someone will pay. Is, yeah, worth, worth so, 110, 120. So, so what will we pay? Ian, uh, what do you think? So, uh, you know, I think we all know at least the profile, at least on th- theoretically. Liverpool are looking for a forward. They are also market interested, if not as planned and structured as they've been in years gone by. I think that looks like it's the case now. I could be wrong about that. I might be giving them a greater service for years gone by, but I don't think I am. What do you think Liverpool will pay for one player? What will be the biggest fee they'll pay? And what do you think will be the net spend of Liverpool? Well, basically, we, we kind of had that um, conversation on, I think it was last Friday's gusser, me, you and Dave. I think it was. Um, and we're talking about what Liverpool are realistically looking at. And it, there, there was no sign and no indication of a really big purchase no indication of any like marquee signings as it would be um, given the FSG since he came in the net spend each year has been roughly around 30 million I would have to guess if we were to go big somewhere um, we're probably looking at a maximum of 50 million net spend given we've got players that we will be selling so you know we're looking at if if we sell Harry Wilson instead of keeping him for the squad, we'd be looking for 25 million. So what what's coming in, I would think if it's a big summer, 50 million would be the top end. And I think if, you know, from all the figures we just discussed, if we're looking at, yeah, I still think Delict would be the sign that we need. If we're looking at Delict um, for about 80, I think 80 is probably the highest we'd actually go for an individual player. But if we sign Kylian Mbappe in the next 20 minutes for 200 million, I will be very, very happy. Ian's going a 50 million-ish net spend, 80 million for one is the most he expects. James, what do you think? Oh, I mean, let's just go mad. 200 million net spend. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, I mean, fuck it. Why not? Let's, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Ian. I'm in complete agreement, mate. Um, a couple of players that can, you know, can rotate, come in and out, perhaps a winger. Um, there's been a lot of talk about another striker, but unless it's a marquee signing, unless it is Mbappe or similar... I can't see us breaking a £60 million net mark, I don't think. Rob? Hmm. I, I, see, <laughs> I see a couple of scenarios. I love I think, a scenario. I think, they'll, I think they'll, internally they will be talking about how it's difficult to get value in this market. And, you could, and as we've alluded to all through, it's easy to get it quite wrong. So I think 
I think they'll not. I think they'll be saying internally they'll not be afraid to spend nothing and actually have a negative net spend. So I think they won't be afraid for that to happen. I think they'll be preparing themselves for what happens if that happens. Because I think they'll say to themselves, they might look at like a Memphis Depay as an example of a mistake they could make. If he, I mean, he may be a wrong example. I don't know. You go you, to get him out of Leon. You're probably going to spend fifty-five million, maybe even get pushed to sixty. And it's not, and maybe he's not better than Origi. Maybe he's maybe he's actually just blocking Brewster, who is, is is nearly better than him anyway. So I think they're saying to themselves, you keep hearing some of some of this in the briefing, unless it's an outstanding opportunity. So say there's a Jaden Sancho mm-hmm. shout. Maybe maybe he's available. Maybe they want ninety, but they go fuck it, Jaden Sancho. Yeah, we'll have him all day long. And so and then Delict's available as well. Great, we can do this. And the wage thing was all hype. He'll take a he'll take a more reasonable wage. So if they could then suddenly do those two, and they think they'd ship out quite a few. So the upper level then, if they could do those two, would be like 160, and they'd sell 70s worth. And so the, the net could be something ludicrous like 90. It could be some halfway house if they only get one, but it could be a negative net spend too, and they buy nearly no one. Do you think, Rob, just as someone who sort of pays attention to this sort of thing, there's the possibility that this is just a bit of a mad summer? So you've got a situation where United need to make, rebuild in a major sense. You mm-hmm. see Madrid go sick. Uh, in comparison to everybody else by this stage the window there's talk that Barcelona may need to do a thing or two even though the La Liga Bayern need winners. to Bayern need to um, Tottenham can, haven't spent for a year yeah you can Chelsea R- Ronaldo well, wants Chelsea. Juventus to Chelsea. spend for him Juventus can't Chelsea can't Juventus sort of have to go again somehow the market is busy there's, there's a chance that this that Liverpool and that Manchester City arguably could do with doing four given the lads yeah. they've got they were in the mid to late uh, so not mid to late early to mid 30s uh-huh. that, yeah. there's, there's, that, that Liverpool may well end up feeling or do you think that Liverpool may well wait and pick the bones out of what's left? All of that. All of I, that. Yeah, I, th- I think they will definitely have had said that this is this is not the best summer to necessarily be trying to get what you need to do. You're just going to pay stupid money for a player, end up committing to wages you don't want to put pressure across the squad. And this may not be ideal because the mantra that you should strengthen while you're ahead is correct. They'll know that's correct. But whether they can do something about it is something they'll be asking themselves. They'll have to be saying, we, we, if we can't do something about it, it's better better to do nothing than to find ourselves having spent 150, 160 million on, on something we will come to regret. I think that the wages question is a massive one mm. because, as you said before, the, um, when we're talking about Hakim Zayek, if he's going, well, you're, sa- you're saving 40 million, I'd like that 40 million, please, then that becomes something that distorts the entire rest of the squad. If um, this idea that PSG have offered the licks 340k a week, mm. um, that then makes him completely out of the question because you can't give a 19-year-old kid who has only had one, two seasons showing what he can do so far, you can't give him 340 grand a week when nobody is basically over 200k. So that this, distorts well everything. This is what we'll be talking about in uh, the gutter show, Ian, on our subscription service, Tour Player. Oh, uh, little plug what for a trail? it there. Um, because actually the biggest spend Liverpool may have to do this summer or certainly within the next 12 months is to effectively rebuy their top stars because if they continue to be top stars then they are going to need a lot more money than they're currently getting at Liverpool and we have basically already rebought them once in the last year yes exactly but but but, you know they weren't European champions then Um, I want to move on to everyone's sort of summer preparation and it does seem as though James, I'm struggling to see a world really where you know I can I can conceive of Liverpool dropping ten points. Um, that'll put me with Liverpool to say eighty-seven points over the course of the course of a season. That's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, ball bounces against you, a couple of injuries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm struggling to see Liverpool really get pulled back into the morass with everybody else. Chelsea have the transfer ban. 
Manchester United do look all at sea, and whilst uh, Arsenal too, whilst each of these sides could improve 10 points, well, that still wouldn't necessarily close the gap on Liverpool massively. Tottenham, I think, are a little bit different um, if they retain the manager. But you are... It is strange where we talk about from a position of strength, and there should never be any complacency. Liverpool have to work stupidly hard to win games again. But that more now than ever, maybe off winning the big shiny trophy, that 25-point gap looks real. It looks real in a sense that it's not looked real for years. Put City to one side for a second. There is clear blue water between Liverpool and everyone else in the Premier League. Well, there's, there's also there's also nobody else outside of us and, and Manchester City right now that has the uh, either the 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 management behind the scenes nor or the, or the financial clout to to make that gap up um going through the teams that you just mentioned i think it's i think tottenham are the one that i would be most concerned about but then again that that depends entirely upon what they do next how they use that 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 loss in madrid whether or not they, whether they build on that whether they you know they back the manager massively because they do need a, a whole host of players chelsea i don't think are anywhere near us manchester united i mean god i'm it's <laughs> i almost feel sorry for them right now um so again i think i think it is just going to be down to us and city again i think that gap is far too big to be made up over one transfer window it's almost un- uncharted territory, this, Rob, in the mm. sense of what's behind us. So, for instance, if you look at 13-14, yes, Liverpool finish a strong second. Yes, they're probably better than, you know, I, they were certainly more fun than the side that won the title that season. And they played better football when they played the best football than Manchester City. But we forget that, for instance, Liverpool get 84 points, Arsenal finish fourth on 80. Mm. Um, you look at 8 9 Liverpool come really, really close to pushing that terrific Manchester United side. Liverpool get 86 points, Chelsea get 83, and Arsenal are only, only 14 points behind. This is unprecedented, really, the idea that Liverpool are that much clear of 18 Premier League clubs. Not, you know, they're still one point behind, they're still one point off the promised land, but they are that far clear for the first time we're able to go into a summer and look at the clear blue water. I don't think there's been a time since there's been a time since 1988 where this has been the case. No, I think you're right. Um, I mean, I'm thinking back to 13-14. One, one thing that was said by Snides like Mourinho is, but Liverpool haven't had to navigate a Champions League season. And he was, you know, there was truth in that. There was no getting away from it. So that, so we, we knew we started that next season at the very least level. That's why it was so important that we did something in the transfer market that summer. We, that was a strange one. We effectively had to rebuild. I mean, you, you know, things can come back to bite you. And sometimes I, you, there are other examples of seasons where there have been big gaps. I think Liverpool themselves have finished massive gaps behind title-winning sides one season and seem to claw back quite a, quite a big chunk of it in the next season. I'm guessing two o, the gap in 2002, maybe from 2001, there might have been a smaller gap, probably even in, in other seasons that don't spring to mind. So people can pull gaps in quicker than you think. Um, but I, but I have to say it's hard to build a case. I mean, even people, you know, James, sorry, you, you're building a case for Tottenham up to a point, and you caveated it. They've got big question marks over some of their stars. Does Christian Eriksen stay? Look, looking odds against mm. it at the moment, and that would be a big blow to them. Mm. Kane hugely injury injury prone the last two years. Ian, the other the other part of that conversation is with European commitments that come in for Manchester United and Arsenal um, and Tottenham and Chelsea. You know, to talk about that lived. Experience, like Rob says, you know we've done ninety-seven points and made a Champions League final. You cannot go through more intense football matches. You cannot go further in Europe's Premier competition. Whereas Manchester United and Arsenal could be distracted. It seems to me as though, really strangely, all of a sudden, 
the sides that are third to sixth, and that might be a bit harsh on Tottenham, but Chelsea with a transfer ban, I've actually got to worry more about what's happening behind them with Leicester and Wolves than the idea of making up the ground to us. And again, that is a unique position that we're in for once. Yeah, I, w- I would certainly say within those four below us, um, I, I would take Spurs out. But I think Spurs are a little exception on their own because I think they've learned. To th- I think our big thing the last couple of years is what we've learned as a club, as a whole club, as the, the entire backroom staff, the entire management structure of the club. The players Every, themselves. The players themselves. Everything we've learned pretty much over the decade the FSG have been in, it's been a whole learning experience. So not so much a 10-year plan as a 10-year learn. And whatever they built during that is building on what they've learned each year. And, and what we've learned in the last year is how to win games. We've learned, which sounds stupid, um, because they should know how to win games or a football team, but, but how to win the games that we weren't winning before, how to win the games that, that would have been an issue, how to win through in a really ugly European Cup final, how to actually get over the line and those things. So The ultimate, really, performance. It was the ultimate example yeah, of that, wasn't it, that game? Absolutely. And I, I maintain there's... There's a lot in that game that, as tedious as that game was, and as badly as people think we played, we managed that game all the way through because on 75 minutes, Spurs had five lads down with cramp. We mm. didn't at any point. Yeah. We didn't have lads falling until the 94th minute of that game. So we've learned a lot about every single aspect of who we are as a club, what we can do and where we can get to. I think Spurs have learned some of that over the last season because they've done incredibly in the European Cup. They've done poorly in the league in the end because they, they could have easily been challenging for second at one point they were they were realistically up there but what they've learned is they've learned the cup competitions so they need to learn from that bit it is a case of do they keep Pochettino and who do they lose do they realise that they're a much better football team without Harry Kane and what do you do with that information once you've got it but then Chelsea Arsenal United for me Arsenal, how do you come back from that European final? Mm. When you've been to a European final and all you've learned is that you weren't good enough to be there. Um, Chelsea, obviously, the transfer ban and the possibility of Frank Lampard being the manager after only six months in management. That sets them in a really weird position. Uh, United needs to spend about £400 billion to become a football team again. So them, yeah, I think they're looking at the guys below them. You could make a case for... If Everton get the summer spending right, they could pull into that group somewhere there. They could pull up into the top six this year. I think you're absolutely right to say that it's actually the clubs uh, below the top six that 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 that, that top other top four apart from us and City should be worried about. Because apart from us and City, and there's no, I don't, I don't mean this in any um, romantic sense. Us and City are the only two clubs that seem like they have a plan. And we're actually on a journey. And 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 these other clubs who get to finals, Arsenal at the moment. You know, you're talking about Chelsea. Um, Tottenham getting to the final is, is a great example feels like the pinnacle of their kind of current yeah. journey especially for Tottenham it feels like that final was that was that was all they had in their mind was get to that final hopefully win it and then see where we are whereas it feels like to us having had two European finals on on the on the bounce nearly winning the league that it really feels like we're sort of on the on this on this upward trajectory yeah. which doesn't have any sense of falling apart we're not talking about uh, us losing any of our key players we're not talking about our Ericsson leaving or you know our son ha- having his head turned by someone you know we're, we're this this is this is who we are now and it, it, it's only going to get more and more um it's only going to improve on that rob on the whole sort of the, the, the whole picture it does we've in, and, and, and this is again to go back to sort of where I've started this show and I, I am going to talk about these the, the, these other sides in terms of the, the way in which they're preparing for the season and pre-season but we've talked in the past a lot we've used the metaphor of to what shop you're shopping in 
Mm. And that was, you know, that was always our, like the, the Liverpool question was, are we shopping in the right shop? Is this, you know, and a couple of times the answer's maybe been no on the whole for the last two or three seasons. I think there's demonstrable proof the answer's been yes in the end. The proof of the yeah. pudding is in the eating there. But that's where, you know, when when I'm looking at Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Tottenham, I actually can't work out what their shop should be. And I think that you can see that in, for instance, the players United have, have been linked with. They bought the lad from Swansea who looks a good player, but doesn't shake the world. Longstaff looks a good player. I really liked what I saw of them last season, but he's only really done it for 15, 20 games for Newcastle. You know, he's not he's not shaking the world. That that metaphor as to what shop you're shopping in at the minute, I even struggle. I mean, Chelsea aren't allowed to go into any shops. I even struggle to <laughs> to, uh, to to place where these sides are in terms of what they should actually be looking to do plausibly in the transfer market. I think, well, Liverpool have shown a way in terms of their the sophistication of their analysis that it ain't about shops. It's about what the computer says. So Liverpool... I don't think Liverpool have. I don't. I think it, the Van Dijk and Allison signings are a bit. Are a bit. Uh, what's the word? Of a misdirection in a certain sense. That the top tier, seemingly premium uh, shopping trips. The truth is, the, the metrics told us to go for those players, but the metrics also told us the year before or so to go for Sadio Mane or Ginny Wijnaldum, or and in an extreme instance, Andy Robertson. So I think there's a bit more going on around the others going. I think, you know, we said this at the beginning of the show, the Galactico policy, I think it's being seen for the sort of vain, bankrupt approach that it is by a lot of clubs, PSG, maybe Man U. Uh, so I don't think it's about shops. I think it's about bargain. I think, I think well, it's, it's, not quite, it's not sustainable over a long period, that, that Galactico. You, ha- you, have to keep, you have to keep that up. You have to keep that momentum going. I think, I, think, I think clubs are trying to put blinkers on and trying to actually go, no, at the end of the day, these are human beings with qualities and statistics that back up those qualities. Let's do that. Let's not be blinded by the market. That's the big thing. That's the big diversionary thing is the market. I think to alter the shop analogy a little bit, it's like going, well, I can get a nice pair of Adidas handbag, which are going to cost me about a ton, but Pop Boutique have some really nice shirts for 20 quid, and they're going to look great together. Own brand. So there you go. That, mm. that, that's your Andy Robbo analogy. It may be a terrible analogy, but I'm going with it. Yeah. Yeah. You do that. Um, <laughs> okay, want to move forward to sort of imagining Liverpool's pre-season uh, and how that's going to look. First thing to point out, James, is that we do have players at the Cup in America. We will have players there. We do have players at the African Cup of Nations. I think that what the African Cup of Nations, I think, is grabbing attention a little bit more than the Cup of America, and there's a couple of reasons why. One is the one is the fact that it goes ten days later. Uh, the other reason is obviously Mane and Salah, and we know how important they are to us and how important they've been to us. But both um, are going to sort of skew the way in which pre-season is going to work. But you get the impression with Klopp, you saw it last season when, for instance, he started the season with Wijnaldum, Milner and Keita as his midfield options and a bit of Henderson and Fabinho here and there that he really is prepared just to take in this stride, who it is, who he gets back, who he gets back early and who he gets back fit. I think yeah, yeah I think that's I think that's absolutely right, and I think that's the right way to approach it as well. I think there's I think there's there's enough pressure on 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 the lads, um, you know, on the back of the season that we've had, to, you know, to have a have a decent pre-season pre-season that come back fully fit and hit the ground running. And I don't think I don't think I think I think the, the worst thing that that we could do as a football club would be to put any abject pressure on the on these lads. I think is to let them go and have have a, have the best time and represent their countries, you know, as 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 best they can. I mean, it's going to be huge. You, know, you look at players like, like you mentioned, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane, two of the most important players in 
in the Arabic world right now, and uh, you know, two of the, the the figureheads of that world, and two that you know, a lot of people are going to be looking at a lot. Of, there's a lot of attention on them. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for them, and I think a little bit of success there goes and goes an awful long way. And Salah will feel he's got unfinished business. The European Cup yeah, absolutely finished. This is unfinished business for Egypt. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, this is one of the one of the missed parts of this, Rob, is mm. that the is that the tournament is taking place in Egypt, um, and I think that that's you know we've sort of glossed over that a little bit in our conversations, mm. and it, yeah. it occurred to me at the weekend that this is it's huge for him on a on a on a personal level. You know, he is the world's leading African player. He is playing for the host nation. Um, and you know, I'm sure Liverpool. I'm sure Jurgen Klopp, as as James has said, will have sent him over there with the with the very best wishes. That appears to be how Klopp goes about things. There's no there's there's no side to it. There's no encouraging him not to do not 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 to represent. And it's Egypt will expect to reach the last four of this tournament as a, a, almost at a bare minimum. I just said I think that Egypt will be thinking to themselves they can get they can go all the way. Uh, I think I'm right in saying the bookies' favourites. Although not odds on by any stretch, I think there's something like three to three or four to one for the tournament. It's a fairly open field, actually, if you, if the if the betting's anything to go by on it. But I, but I think but I think Senegal are pretty Senegal are, should hit the semi-finals. Egypt should hit the final, really, and on home soil, it is a lot of pressure on Mo. And I don't, it's not. I don't think it's a brilliant thing that that, that it's been played in Egypt and he's got that pressure. I mean, yes, he'll be hugely looking forward to it. To win it would be magnificent for him. I'm not seeing that many wins from a Liverpool point of view. Um, he could get injured. They'll make him play in the final, even if he's only got one leg, if he's got a niggle, all those kind of things. Uh, if he if he wins it, he'll become Real Madrid will suddenly have to rethink their Galactico policy. All kinds of, you know, I can paint sort of negative scenarios. I just <laughs> want to have a nice time, but listen to you. Uh, I don't. I just want him to be put. I'd like him to have a minor niggle in the first game and get put to bed. Wrapped in cotton wool and ready for the season. I'm trying to be parochial about it. You, you were to, you, can I go back to something just about our preseason and the effect of it on that? I think it was interesting that summer, where we, who was out? It was yeah, Origi and Sturridge had emerged as our primary strikers after the Europa Cup final win, but they were unable to play because I think they'd been with their countries to quite deep into the summer. And Klopp started preseason with Firmino, Mane, and Coutinho as a front three for the first time. And it was almost like, well, I haven't got a bloody striker, so you'll work it out between the three of you. And it, I think it was a serendipitous moment. I it's been painted as though that was always his plan, this false nine move. I don't think it entirely... Lurie got the bad injury against Everton, didn't he? That's and right. So had gone there and Sturridge, was, 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 Sturridge gets his injury against Bayern Munich, which oh, the last the time he ran, yeah. th- he ran, he, he ran free. <laughs> um, yeah. And you watch it scored and got injured and it was awful. But he wasn't available <laughs> from the get-go. And I think that... Uh, in fact, no, you, no I'm, talk, I'm talking about the year before, Neil. It's the near before where those three came together. It's actually the first time we moved to the false nine situation, and I think he will look with interest at the beginning of this preseason. He will have his his resources. He'll have good resources in in defence and in midfield from early on in preseason. Maybe not week one, but by the beginning of week two. But up front, he will be relying on if they're fit: Shakiri, Origi, Brewster, and who Possibly else? Harry Wilson. And possibly someone if, like Harry. If he's been told he's getting a chance to Th- prove those, himself, those are his forward options, really, from from the get go in, in preseason, and really till quite deep into preseason. So, be interesting to see how that pans out. It's interesting to compare our preseason with other sides. Uh, Reese's on work experience done some work for us on it. Really appreciate it. And 
Man United, um, Man United have got six preseason games currently in the calendar. Uh, I'm going to include the Community Shield from our point of view, but they've got six preseason games, 13th of July the first. They're in Australia, uh, and then they're in the Far East. Um, uh, Chelsea have only got four currently confirmed. Uh, Arsenal have got six uh, confirmed. Uh, City have currently got three confirmed. Uh, Chelsea's four. Uh, two of them are again in the Far East. Yokohama's one. Uh, City are in Nanjing and Shanghai. Uh, a couple of times that's confirmed, but nothing else yet. Arsenal are in the United States. Um, they've got a couple, uh, as we are. And uh, I think Tottenham have got four currently confirmed, and they're in the Far East as well for them. Um, we're sitting here, if you include the Community Shield, sorry, then City have got four, Rob. And Liverpool mm. have already got eight games nailed on and in the diary to the point that we had to postpone one or more accurately cancel one uh, it looks like and that's we saw this we've seen this every year that, that he's been here but since he's been settled the manager is you know we talk about how much he loves a training camp but he does not get to play a lot of football in comparison to the rivals I think what he does is um, these games aren't these games are for the squad so you'll see a few of them very close together uh, especially in the final week actually the Schalke one I think it's sort of half intended that yeah, the, the, there's, uh, there's there's two effectively in back to back days because of the way the yeah. time zones work in the United States it's not quite like that in real terms in the United States there is a, there is a day rest but there is, there's two in three days in the United States yeah I think you saw last season with the there was a glut of uh, local within 50 mile radius uh, pre-season friendlies where people were getting 45 minutes after 45 minutes. I think it's just he, Klopp's got to the point of going, what's the point in them running running around Melwood endlessly? They might as well, you know, they're going to play practice games at Melwood. They might as well play it against some uh, lesser sides. And I think once you get deeper into it, I think he's considering those who are coming back into preseason training later and they just need it, and they need more games at that phase. So that's why I think he's done it. It's very intelligent and, you know, I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it from other managers. It's... Liverpool have sorted themselves out to so just to go through all the games. It's Tramia, Bradford, then the States, it's Dortmund, Sevilla and Sporting uh, back. Uh, Napoli in Edinburgh, uh, Leon in Leon, uh, and then the Community Shield. There's also a... You get to see the the, the level and the quality that they face uh, ratchet up as well there, James. As I know different sides are at different phases of their own preparations. I mean, we battered Napoli last year uh, in pre-season in Dublin, and then we went to Napoli and... And got beat one nil uh, in, a, in a in a dogged affair. It's fair to say. So it is fair to say that you know everyone's at different stages um, when when these matches come around. But Liverpool do seem to me to be again you know the speed with which these fixtures get announced. We feel as though it's slow, but literally the football community, no one's going faster than this. If you if you take my sort of general point, mm. and there is a Liverpool appear to have their own preparation. And if you're the Liverpool manager, you're able to look at last year's book and say, what did we do last year? Let's do that again. Because that's what it looks exactly like Liverpool are doing how, to me. How many did we have last season? It was very, very similar. Was I think we had one more local one and one, and we didn't have the Leon away. Chester, Bury, Tramir, I remember. We that's yours. it. We had Chester, I remember. We had that. Chester, yeah. Bury. Yeah. Two in two yeah. days there, right. We had no, Chester. No, no, I, I mean, I can't tell you. Should we definitely played Chester, Bury and Tramir. Yeah. There's somebody else as well before we went. Uh, last year, it was Chester, it was Chester, Tramir, Bury, Blackburn. Then over in the States, it was Borussia Dortmund, Manchester City, Manchester United, right. and then we had Napoli and Torino. So last year, it was all in nine. Uh, this year, because of the, it was meant to be nine, it was meant to be exactly the same, but because Which, the game moved to Friday night. And what I'm saying is, you know, last season, Liverpool went as deep as they could in the European Cup. There was obviously the World Cup as a tournament, and Liverpool are copying us pretty much, with the one exception there, are copying what happened last year. You see, well, he's got. The, it seems like he's got the template that works. I think, and I think, I think what you were saying as well, Rob, is probably probably correct as well. I think it's um, 
Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's, I think, you know, for, much rather that than them just running around endlessly at Melwood for, you know, days on end. Go and have some a little bit of competitive, and, it, and it's and it's and I always think it's quite I always think it's quite nice to see some of the fringe players get a proper forty-five minutes that they wouldn't normally get. It is good. I mean, it's win-win because the, yeah, it's good for the fans. Yeah, you know? Absolutely, absolutely, and also you know you get a, you know from a from a you know from a foreign fan point of view as well. You know, everybody wants to see Liverpool. Everybody's talking about this football club. We're the most clicked-on football club in the world on YouTube. We're the most watched. You know, we're the most broadcastable football club so you know now now that we're sort of you know at the top at the top again I mean everyone wants to everyone wants a piece everyone wants to come down and watch and it's it's a you know it's a nice thing and the games you can physically get into as yeah exactly well. yeah, exactly exactly just on that I think there is you know this we talk a lot about strengthening whilst on top Ian and there is another form of strengthening whilst on top and that is the idea of finding new Liverpool supporters I'm not cynical about that sort of thing I wish everybody supported Liverpool um, and then we could just end association football forever and go from there but there is you know it would be nice to this this side's going to get to showcase itself in the United States um, it's getting to play that game at Leon, for instance I think there is a there is a th- the game in Edinburgh. You the know, Nabil Fakir celebratory game. Well, yeah. let's, let's look into that. Uh, <laughs> we, actually, we actually exchange him at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We sign off kits in front of our very eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take yeah. shirts off. Yeah. Uh, uh, there He's is. He's been wearing ours underneath all along. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is something about it where this is a summer where the club will and should. You know, as much as we, we I just want to see them get as fit as possible and we will be ready for the first game against Norwich. But Liverpool do have to think about other things and being able to play in front of supporters who'll be so keen to see them and to adore them uh, existing supporters and also be able to say to the United States look these are the champions of Europe is no bad thing yeah you, you've got to think about the brand realistically if you're the owners you have to think about the brand not just for the fact that you're generating profits but for the fact that you're generating funds that can go back into establishing the brand further growing the brand and growing it on the pitch and that, that's what we've done so far you know it's what we did with the Coutinho sale that brought us Alison and Van Dyke. it's what you do in order to get your next big share deal so whoever the share deal is next year we want to like treble what we're getting at the moment it's all about funds coming back in it generates the funds to improve the Anfield Road end so you can fit another 10,000 people into the ground so everything then becomes momentum it's the momentum that United established in the 90s and we missed out on and this the fact that we can go out and go look not only are we the best football team on earth but we're the most supported football team on earth it's a brilliant position to be in. I'm really intrigued by his United comparison there in the 90s. because yeah, the, 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 the United in the, in the 90s comparison was basically Ferguson walking into boardrooms and saying, build more seats. And mm. just repeatedly saying, build more seats and build more seats and build more seats. It's a little different to that now. It, it, you know, I think I'd like a world where it wasn't, Rob. But we are in a situation where it is different to build more seats. But it's it may well be build more brand. It may well be build more... Em- more oomph almost and that is it's striking that Liverpool do have a real opportunity to do that right now yeah though it feels like we're sort of in the in football money terms on the edge or begin at the beginning of a sort of a commercial tsunami I think Liverpool were dominant in a period where it was commercially football was flatlining it had had all the problems that it had and hooliganism had blighted its image and as Liverpool emerged from the, the era of triumph to not being so successful, United emerged as the first wave of, of real money was and coming. We stood in, still didn't into we? the sport. Yeah. Well, I don't think I, even if we hadn't stood still, I don't. We, you know, it just wasn't our turn. The, the two things didn't align. I think to to a large extent. I mean, 
now they're aligning for us. The, the, you know, for, money is going through the roof in football, and it does provide. What it does, it means that sort of, commu- in a way, I mean, it's a sort of a what's the word? An enlightened benefit of uh, an accidentally enlightened benefit of, of super capitalism, in that the commercial deals, etc., are so dwarfing uh, match day revenue that you might as well put another uh, another couple of tiers on stands just as a PR exercise. <laughs> because, well, the, the, the cost of, of boosting the Anfield Road, for example, th- what, what are they speculating? 50, 60 million, maybe. It's relatively small potatoes it, in the context. It's a midfielder. Well, let's put it this way. <laughs> it would have cost 50, 60 million five years ago for Liverpool. The inflation in the, in the construction industry has not been that great. But Liverpool's turnover has all but doubled in that, in that yeah. stage. So it, maybe exaggerating slightly, but it's not far off it. Uh, so it makes it a very, very affordable thing, really. Last little thing on all of this is just to sort of set the scene for the for the summer that is to come uh, is what we're in it for, uh, which is to see Liverpool get back on the march. And the question I'm going to be asking across these shows, or if I'm not doing them, uh, if I'm away, uh, getting people to ask across the next few Anfield rap shows, is one of of what are what are or aren't reasonable expectations and I've been painting the picture throughout you know in terms of what's behind us what's in front of us what happens next let's mention something else as well Jurgen Klopp has never lost a two-legged uh, affair whilst Liverpool manager which is the sort of thing which where you go well statistically he's got to at some point and then you think well he hasn't for three years um, Four. Well, well he's only had three years in Europe yeah um, sure. so, so he hasn't for three years there's James what what should our expectations be where we're discussing different numbers around net spend but saying it might be different for an individual player what's reasonable to walk into 2019-20 and expect from this Liverpool side you know what we expect go on <laughs> say, it, say it I want you to say it because I'm going to ha- I'm going to hang everyone on it come next April <laughs> okay, you can ha- you can hang me on this look we're, we're, we're going to we're going to get to the semis or final again of the Champions League I think I, th- I can be very confident in saying that I think um, in terms of the league I mean it it depends on what City do I, I, I think uh, for me and going back to what we were saying earlier I'm not concerned with the other clubs massively I think it's a huge gap to make up and I don't think any of them have got the plan or the manager or the uh, the know the current know-how to make that leap so it's again it's so it, it depends on what Manchester City do but for me it has to be again about competing for the league I think um, I think we get 90 plus points again and we see where we are in terms of signings I don't imagine there's a huge bit of business I think there's maybe two maybe possibly three coming in one of them might be a marquee signing but apart from that I think we carry on as we were are you expecting is it reasonable to expect more of the same is it reasonable to say Liverpool should break 90 points is it reasonable to say Liverpool should get to the semi-finals of the Champions League yeah, all of the above. I, I expect that. I, I expect. I feel. I mean, me and Robbie are old enough for this. Um, I feel like the eighties again. Um, my my wants at the beginning of the last season, when I was talking to people I was working with at the time, um, it was a question: Do you want the league or do you want the European Cup? I'm like, I want both. Why would you not want both? That's what we used to do. We used to do both. So let's have both. If you don't aim for both, you're not going to get both. So aim for both. Um, I think I completely agree with James on everything there. I can't see anybody other than us and City who are likely to challenge for the league. I expect us to go deep into the European Cup again. I'm not thinking about the FA Cup and League Cup any longer. Beginning of the last season I was, but, but it's kind of like I, I want a trophy. I expect I expect a trophy of some kind. I hope for it to be the league. I would take the FA Cup. I expect us to challenge at the very top. Um, what I want from the season is that I I expect the learn to have continued 
So I expect um, Jürgen and his backroom staff to have learned that if we stop Harry Maguire from equalising, we win the league. If we win at Old Trafford, and I know this really annoyed you on the day, um, if we win at Old Trafford against what was effectively an eight-man United team, we win the league. If we beat City once, we win the league. Any of those three things happening and we win the league and they will have learned that's the question they're looking at is how do we then turn one of those one points or one of those losses into three points because one of those one points or one of those losses going into three points wins us the league next season. City may not drop as many points as they did last season, but they're still dropping from, what was it, 102 the season before? No, it was 100, flat 100, so flat 198. So they only dropped two points in total last season from the previous season. So we can win the league by changing one of those results. What do you think is reasonable? I agree with Ian. My first instinct is, is the way I felt as a, as a teenager watching Liverpool winning things. I now feel I want us to win the league in the European Cup and I will be disappointed if we don't. Is it reasonable to want that? It, it's reasonable to aspire to it because we're arguably the best side in Europe, certainly one of the top three in Europe. That's almost beyond dispute, I think, just right as we're sitting right now. Um, I want us to, if we fall short and we, in either competition, to treat it the way we, we treated falling short when we were the best team in Europe, which was this is a problem, we need to fix it. Like, we've had conversations recently about years gone by, Neil. I go, Liverpool were in crisis when Kenny, t- in 87, 88. They finished second the year before. A <laughs> shit second. So I want us to sort of, you know, we may not finish, look, look, at the end of the day, if Liverpool get over 90 points in the semi-final, the European Cup again, there are no flies on Jurgen Klopp or those players. That we will have to say once we pick ourselves up from, from our despair next summer at those outcomes, right? That will be That's true. That's now our minimum expectation. Whereas has previously to our top four to was minimum expectation. I think it's because, because the season that's just finished wasn't an anomaly. That is, it is, that yeah. is, this is the norm now. To finish late 70s, which only a year ago was so respectable in points total, would feel like an unmitigated disaster. And to go out bef- uh, by the quarterfinals in the European Cup would too. So somewhere between those, those parameters, a truth lies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent stuff. Thank you very much to the three gentlemen in the room uh, very much appreciated all of that um, it is worth pointing out that Liverpool maybe got fortunate with a couple of late winners but to get fortunate with late winners over the course of a season you've got to hang on in there if you have your luck you've got to ride it and Liverpool rode it as did Manchester City for that matter as well both last season and the season before that's how football works uh, you can't cry luck uh, we all get it and then it's what you make of it that counts uh, we will see how it goes how the season develops I'll ask other people that question in the weeks to come uh, and we will be right the way across everything on the Anfield Rab transfers Plan for the next season, what Jurgen Klopp should or shouldn't be doing. Everything that you need will be to come. Thank you very much again to Ian, to James and to Rob. It has been the Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet. Uh, very, very pleased, as I keep saying, to partner with Redsbet uh, for all the work that they do across a number of different places, also under the fans' breath umbrella as well. Uh, enjoy your week, if, if uh, whatever you're up to this week. Let's all relax. Enjoy the summer a little bit. I'm sure Jurgen is. And if you're looking to get, get a bit weepy one more time, have a little look at the cards Jordan Henderson's daughters did him for Father's Day. Sports Social Podcast Network.